the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord for allowing me to do this. It truly is a privilege, and I appreciate you guys listening. You know, we're teaching from the book of Revelation. We've been on chapter four the last week, and uh, I actually call that the rapture chapter. And I'm not going to get past the verses that I spoke about last week, verse number one and verse number two, because... I want to deal more with the rapture. We're trying to make the case here for you to understand the timing of the rapture. I know there's different teachers that have different uh, ideas about it. And so we just want to stick with the Bible. I have no opinion. I am just going to read to you the Bible, give you what the Bible has to say about it, break down some of the scriptures and let you come up with yours and pray about it. Take it before the Lord. You know, we preach the gospel that your man is a sinner Without Christ, he will die and go to hell. But Christ went to hell for us. He took our place. He paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And so it's the gospel telling you that that keeps you from going to hell. And yet when I talk about the rapture of the church, I'm not trying to keep you from going to hell. That should already have taken place in the new birth. But I am trying to keep you from living through hell on the earth after the rapture. If you are not prepared and you miss the rapture, then you are going to have to go through the tribulation period. The church does not belong in the tribulation period. Most people don't understand what the tribulation period is. If we could get the church to understand that the tribulation period is God's judgment upon the Jew and the nations that have rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ, you can see that it is designed for those who have rejected Christ, the nations, those that have rejected Christ, and Israel. And the church has no business being in that time period. We belong to the age of grace. Grace ends at the rapture of the church. The day of Pentecost began the birth of the church, the move of the Holy Spirit through the church, through the earth, by the church, And it's a different time zone exactly. The tribulation period is a time of the Antichrist. That's in Thessalonians. We'll probably get back there at some point. But let me continue on. We spoke about the church being raptured in John 4. Let's see. In Revelation 4, when John is in heaven. Let's see. Let me turn back a page or two and find it. Remember, where the church goes, the Holy Spirit goes. Where the Holy Spirit goes... The church goes. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. 
the first voice. It doesn't mean the first voice. We talked about this last week. When he gets to heaven, it's not the first voice. It's the voice that spoke to him in Revelation chapters 1 and 2 and 3 when he was dealing with the churches. And so when that voice, the voice of Jesus says, come up here, you're up there. And so where John goes, we go. John is representative of the church. So we brought that out. We showed you that. And now we're talking in Matthew because Matthew is a key chapter in talking about where the church is, even though Matthew 24 doesn't talk about the rapture of the church. So I'm going to use Matthew 24 to show you where teachers are missing it by misinterpreting the scriptures in Matthew 24. Because so many teachers, they'll tell you that, well, the church is going up in the middle of the tribulation. And that, well, the church is going up at the end of the tribulation. And one of the key verses that they use is found in Matthew 24. So let me talk about that. Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. I'm going to read them to you. Immediately after the tribulation. Now remember, after the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, people use that to show that the church is going at the end of the tribulation. There there are so many reasons why this is not a rapture event. There is a supernatural cosmic calamity occurring here that will give us great insight into his coming For the church, it's a manifestation of the wrath of God. That's not the the environment in which the Lord is coming for his church. Okay, let's start at the beginning. Immediately after the tribulation. So the timing of this is after the seven-year tribulation. Immediately after the seven-year tribulation. And you've got evidence. Remember the seals? No, we didn't get to the seals yet. That's in Matthew 6. But the sixth seal talks about this. When the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Mountains will be moved and everything like that. Men will be hiding themselves in the rocks. This is the sixth seal. It's at the end of the tribulation. And for the church to be here, they would have had to go through that tribulation. The church does not belong in the tribulation. Let's go down to verse 31 there where it talks about what people are saying is the rapture. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And you could say that sounds like rapture language, a trumpet, right? Thessalonians. And with the voice of the archangel and the blast of the trumpet. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And the angels will gather together his elect from the four winds. Okay, first of all, the angels don't gather us together. Jesus calls us in the rapture. Angels do not gather us during the rapture of the church. That's false. So, if the Bible is true, then this cannot be a rapture scripture. Angels do not gather the church, but there's further evidence here. Don't get confused by the sound of the trumpet. Trumpets are throughout scriptures. And the angels, with a great sound of a trumpet, they will gather together his elect from the four winds 
from one end of heaven to the other. Well, duh, we don't get raptured from heaven back to the earth. We get raptured from the earth into heaven. Here, the angels are doing the gathering, and they are gathering from heaven. So he's not talking about the church which is on the earth at this point. So that would be a misunderstanding of Scripture. First Thessalonians 5, 9, first and foremost. Let's understand that this is the wrath of God, okay, where it talks about the sun's going to be darkened. That's wrath. The moon will not give its light. That's wrath. The stars will fall from heaven. That's wrath. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is all the wrath of God, the final judgment of God upon disobedient mankind. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us, the believers, the children of God, the church. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. If you were born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, as you've experienced the new birth, you have the life of God in you through the uh, person of the Holy Spirit of God, then you have not been appointed unto wrath. This is most definitely the wrath of God. And this wrath happens after the tribulation. The only way you get to experience this wrath is to having gone through the tribulation. In context, in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, God has not appointed us to wrath. Paul is telling the church that our fate is not the fate of the wicked, but it's the fate of the children of light. Let's go back to Matthew here. Everyone will see the sign of the Son of Man in this scripture. Remember, verse 29.31, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth, all the people of the earth, will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Yes, Jesus is coming in the clouds to get us in the rapture, but here he's coming on the clouds, and here everybody sees him. During the rapture, nobody sees him. God calls us home with a shout. People say, well, there's two returns. No, there's only one return. The rapture of the church is not a return of Christ to the earth. He never comes to the earth during the rapture of the church. This is all about the second coming of Christ. It's so obvious. It's so evident. I don't know how anybody could say that the church doesn't get raptured until after the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation, God has pronounced final judgment on Israel. The purpose of the tribulation is to judge Israel, to give them an opportunity to acknowledge their Savior, Jesus Christ. You can either get saved under grace, which is the best plan, or you can get saved under judgment. It's up to you. You make that decision. After the tribulation, the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Jesus comes back to the earth. The angels, we're going to talk about that. Where is that? Back to Matthew. Everyone will see the sign of the Son of Man. That doesn't happen during the rapture. There is no sign of the rapture, just a shout. His angels do the final end time harvest to gather God's people together. But the angels don't take the church at the rapture. You got to get that. Jesus does that. Verse 31, And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Where are the elect being gathered from? I just told you they're being gathered from one end of heaven to the other. The church is on the earth during the gathering, not in heaven waiting for the angels to get us. It's ridiculous. The rapture doesn't bring people from heaven to earth. It brings people from earth to heaven. This is not a rapture scripture. Matthew 24, 38, 44. We go forward now, and we talk about in Matthew 24, Jesus is using this example because people think this is now an example of mid-tribulation rapture. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, they were marrying, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Basically, Jesus is saying life is normal. Life is going on on normal. Uh, They're building homes. They're getting married. That's normal life. And verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The coming of the Son of Man is not the rapture. The coming of the Son of Man to the earth when the people are living life normally is the end of tribulation. It is the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ. And here's a scripture that messes people up. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other will be left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not at what hour your Lord comes. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. So, he's only coming back once to the earth. That's it. The rapture of the church is not a return of Christ to the earth. One return. The rapture, it's not a return at all. The rapture, it's a meeting in the air when Christ comes back for his church, but he never touches the earth during that time. Second, nowhere in Matthew 24 is the rapture mentioned. Jesus is still talking to Jews. They have little understanding of what the church is, let alone what the rapture is. They don't have any idea what he's talking about if he was talking about the rapture. And he's not. He's talking about his second coming. They don't understand his first death. He hadn't even died yet, let alone a resurrection in which follows his return for a church What they have no ideas. So please keep the context of Scripture. Matthew 24 is pretty much chronological in order, by the way. Don't get screwy trying to place things back and forth where they don't belong. Third, the context. Follow the context in Matthew 24 to understand what is being said. In Matthew 24, 40 and 41, we have an illustration of what is being said in Matthew 24, 36 and 39. So basically... The writer is explaining Matthew 24, 36 to 39 in Matthew 24 and 41. Mainly, those verses teach that people who weren't prepared in the days of Noah, they were taken away to judgment by the flood. Verse 39 closes with, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The emphasis is on unbelievers who are being removed by the judgment of the flood, which means that verses 40 and 41 secure that point by giving us two examples of a similar separation that will occur in the last day's judgment. When he's talking about the fact that two will be in the field and one shall be taken, he's not talking about the removal of the church at the rapture. He's talking about the removal of the ungodly. Remember, who was taken during the days of Noah? Noah was not taken. Noah remained on the earth, him and his people. They went through the flood, but they stayed on the earth in the ark that God had them built. It was the people that rejected 
salvation's offer, the safety of the flood, they were taken. Those were the ones that were being judged. They were being dealt with. That's all that that's saying. It's not saying that God is rapturing people right before the second coming. That takes place earlier, seven years earlier. For the most part, Matthew 24, it's chronological, and it would be of a sudden turn back to refer to the rapture at this point in the narrative. Or putting the rapture here points to a post-tribulation rapture, which we know just isn't true. Why? Because when, when Jesus is talking, he's referencing Noah. The good guys are protected from the wrath before it comes, just like the church. Jesus plainly says that the angels are the reapers, right? At the last day's judgment, it's the angels who do the reaping. So the church is promised protection from God's wrath. We know Noah was promised protection from God's wrath. What then would the church be doing going through the greatest calamities ever to hit the earth? Matthew thirteen thirty nine. let me show you. The enemy that sowed the tares is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. That's just consistent. It just verifies what I just told you in Matthew 24. Matthew 13 and 30. Let both the tares and the wheat grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, the angels, gather together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we see that the angels are reaping and they're getting the tares out at the end time harvest. Listen to this. Follow this. The rapture of the church takes the wheat out of the earth and leaves the tares in the earth for the judgment. The end time harvest takes the tares out of the earth and leaves the wheat to go into the next age, the millennial of Christ. Let's see. Arno, I can't say it. Arno Gablin, a German guy, notes that the unbelievers will be taken away in the day of judgment and wrath. The others will be left on the earth to receive joy and the blessings of the coming age and enter into his kingdom, which will then be established. Let's talk about a couple of the reasons why Christians think the rapture is near, even imminent, and I am one of those. So many reasons. I'm going to give you five right now. Number one, why do Christians think the rapture is near and even imminent? Number one, because of the level of deception on the earth. Jesus warned us first and foremost, don't let anyone deceive you. I mean, whether it's a politician speaking to us or a media parsing what someone is saying, we are being deceived on a grand scale. I would say right now the dominant spirit that the world is operating by right now is deception. You can't get the truth about anything. Current news about Afghanistan, we don't get the truth about what's happening. We're being lied to about the vaccine. We're being lied to about COVID. We're being lied to about what's going on in the border. My wife catches some news now and then. She's trying to stay abreast of the situation. We have a Thursday night prayer meeting, and we want to know some of the stuff, what we can pray about. And it's really become difficult with the lies. My wife was telling me when they were talking about the border crisis, people going, what border crisis? Exactly. She was saying it was like uh, MSNBC in an entire month. MSNBC gave like two and a half minutes of TV time talking about it. One of the stations didn't talk about it at all. Another station gave you 30 seconds of news reporting on the border crisis. That leaves you in darkness concerning what's happening. You need to find a better news source. Number one reason I think that the rapture is near, the level of deception in the earth. Number two, lawlessness. 
Lawlessness throughout the world is nothing new. I mean, that's normal. These nations have rejected Christ, the Messiah, and so they have a lawless culture. I get that. But lawlessness in America now is something new, and that is a key component which signals that the end times are upon us. Remember the increase in lawlessness. Because of lawlessness in the earth, the love of many will wax cold. We're seeing that. It's leading to a great apostasy in the church. I'll get into that in a minute. The number three reason why I think the rapture is near, there's regional ethnic conflicts. The Arab nations fighting and committing great atrocities amongst one another. Russia committing genocide in its satellite nations. These are signs of the closeness and the nearness of the end times, of the return of Christ. But before the return of Christ, there must be the rapture of the church. Number four, the explosion of tribulation. Yearly, 100,000 Christians across the globe lose their lives for the word of God and their testimony in Christ. 100,000 Christians a year. And the fifth reason, which I think is the most important, the birth of Israel as a nation, May 14th, 1948, signals loudly the return of Christ is near. You're not going to find a scripture that's going to tell you when the church will be taken out, but God holds us accountable to put all these scriptures together so that we can identify the season, that we know what season we are living in. The church will be taken out, but you have to put several scriptures together that tell you what the world will look like when the church is removed. Chief among them is found in 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to break this down. There's 18 characteristics of 2 Timothy 3. I won't get into them all. I'm only going to give you the first one today because that prefaces the attitudes of man. It prefaces the environment and the spiritual condition of mankind right before the church is removed. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This know also. And the language there, the strength, Timothy, this know also. In the Greek, it's like almost like Paul has Timothy by the throat, by the collar. And he's saying, you got to know this, Timothy. Son Timothy, you must know this. There's a strength to it. He's imploring Timothy, you got to know this. Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. That word perilous, the only other time it's used, it really means fierce. And the other reference when it's used in the Bible was when Jesus went into the place where the madman of Gadara was living. And it said he was fierce. It's that same word, perilous times. People would get beat up. They would get, the madman there would, would throw himself upon them. And he would literally beat them because he was fierce. That's the same word. This know also that in the last days, fierce times shall come. For men shall be. He's going to describe now mankind's end-time behavior. That behavior is a sign that we are in the last days, that we are in perilous days. For men will become I am. We are living in the I am generation. Men will become self-absorbed. Do you think so? They will be self-focused. Men or mankind will no longer live by the moral standard that it once lived by, which was caring for others First, they are the I am generation. Almost, we've taken on like a godlike mentality. 
They can solve their own problems. That's us. That's what we've done. Even our fasting is done for ourselves. Fasting is supposed to be done for other people. But now we fast, and the spirit behind fasting that we can hear from God better, that's a great spirit. The fear is that we can become more spiritual. That's wonderful. The spirit that we can go ahead and we can die to the flesh, that is great. But Isaiah 58 talks about the fast that God chooses, and it's a fast that serves others, not themselves. For this is the fast that I've chosen, saith the Lord, to unloose the bands of wickedness, to undo the bands of wickedness, to let the captive go free, that you give your bread to the poor, that you clothe the naked, that you take those that don't have homes into your home, that you become a minister to your family. That's the fast that Jesus calls us to, and it's a fast that serves others. You know, even the church today is embracing the mindset as well that we are all about ourselves. Oftentimes the church worship focuses on songs that glorify man. They don't glorify God. I am a friend of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. My goodness, you don't sing about yourself when you worship the Lord. You honor and serve the glory of God. My goodness. Now, the latest thing in the church is we're challenging God's sovereignty in the earth. You know, these are all signs of the apostasy. The apostasy is a great sign that we are getting ready for the return of Christ. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I am doing this, trying to, yes, save you from hell, but I don't want you living through hell either in these last days. So pay attention, read your Bible, study Matthew 24, and we'll get back with you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.